Altitude's undefeated. Crap, maybe we'll punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I don't think I was running and starting <laughs> to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Welcome to the apocalypse, Rapids fans. We hope you like leather. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. The Gold Cup is underway, and it's chaos as usual. Something tells me Qatar does not like the Haitian apples they were served the other day. I had one of the wildest nights ever at the Richard, and it did not involve a soccer game being played in any way. And the Rapids played a home game and didn't win it once again. I'm joined now by a man who is boiling over, Rabbi Mark Good. That is a brilliant pun. Well done, Matthew. We're going to have to sell about 40,000 new um, uh, Holding the Highline pint glasses because my boiler broke and there's no hot water at the house. So I'm really glad we have a membership to the local JCC. Because, which is basically the Jewish version of the YMCA, because the whole family is showering at the gym for the next couple weeks until we get some hot water. You guys only, isn't it like a million degrees and super humid in Pittsburgh? It is warm, but my kid won't shower in a cold shower, so I don't really know how to do that. Maybe like we'll heat, like we'll boil water on the stove and like then pour it into a bathtub. Like I don't really, I haven't thought of this out yet. Like, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe just quick cold showers, or, or maybe I'll hose them down in the backyard with a bar of soap like they were in prison, like that scene in Pulp Fiction. Or you mean that scene from me being five years old because I'm a millennial who grew up with a very regimented Irish Catholic father? Oh my God. Well, I also had that experience <laughs> too. I grew up in Los Angeles, and when we went to the beach, when we came home, from, my dad lived near the beach. When we came home from the beach, we stood out. He wouldn't let us come in with all the sand on our clothes. I don't know why, because we had a, he had a, I'm sure he did vacuum cleaner, but he didn't like to vacuum. So out on the sidewalk, he, he would whip out the hose and hose us down in the middle of the sidewalk before we came into the house. So I guess, you know, that's, that's just how it is. No, we, yes. Well, we were had, we had our swimming trunks on. So we'd have to take our shirts off and then he'd, you know, turn the hose on us. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Okay, Mark, I'm going to send you a bunch of uh, a bunch of scientific resources that explain the benefits of taking a cold shower, which I have been doing for the better part of five, six years now. And then you're going to share that with Etta so Etta becomes more comfortable with taking a cold shower rather than having to go all the way down to the Jewish Community Center. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I appreciate the efforts, Matt. Let's talk about some soccer. Okay, uh, Rabbi, the Gold Cup is underway, <laughs> and uh, Mexico got off to a win with their new head coach after Diego Coca's disappointment and ultimate expulsion from the national team uh, in the Nations League. Uh, the United States got a 1-1 draw against what I would argue, Mark, is probably one of the best Jamaican teams that I've seen in the past decade. Jamaica has kind of become the uh, the Phoenix Suns, if you will, of 
CONCACAF and that they're consistently up there in like the second tier. Occasionally they have one or two big stars playing in Europe, but they've never been able to put it up when they go against the big boys, a la the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, or now, I don't know if Canada in this analogy, Mark, is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but so the, the U.S. was able to get a draw on this one. We have a new format. There's some interesting new Island Nation teams. I've liked the new format from what I've seen that has given opportunities to the middle and lower tier, your St. Kitts and, and Nevins, I think it is. And then you've got uh, Haiti in there as well. Trinidad and Tobago is another good example as well. Mark, I think we, given the situation with Mexico, I think obviously they're trying to win it. Obviously, it's a developmental opportunity for a lot of young guys for the United States and John Herdman off of the disappointment in the Nations League final said that they were going for a trophy. So I think you've got two of the three big powers that it's win or bust. And I think for the United States, you're looking at, you know, get to a semifinal and lose respectively. And if the kids make progress under their second substitute teacher and BJ Callahan, then we'll be all right, regardless of how you feel about uh, Greg Berhalter coming back. Mark, your thoughts on the Gold Cup? What 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 local small island team who has a connection with a player from the Pittsburgh Riverhounds are you standing and looking to be a giant slaying minnow? Well, it's not really a small one, but it's it's a big one. But um, I, just an update for for anybody who is watching: Guadeloupe just drew Canada two two which is pretty impressive. And if you look up the Guadalupe... God, I love this tournament! <laughs> I know, right? And Guadalupe... I think it's maybe it's probably pronounced Guadalupe. Guadalupe's um, uh, lineup is basically all, like, first and second division French players, which is really interesting. Their goalkeeper is, like, the backup goalkeeper for Bordeaux. He says, while drinking a fine Merlot from Australia that I got at the liquor store for $9 so that I could um, use it to... Um, raise some some beef in in um because you don't really want to use nice wine to braise meat you, you, you like you can get away with cheap wine um yeah i mean this is a fun tournament and the little the minnows are the ones that are worth watching the bigger teams are less interesting the pittsburgh riverhound starting goalkeeper is the backup goalkeeper for jamaica so we're kind of rooting i wouldn't say against andre blake but we kind of would like andre blake to have a seat at some point so that um, our guy, um, Jamali Waite, can get some some run out there. I think he's really the only one, um, the only other major player for the Riverhounds who has international pedigree this year is um, Canardo Forbes, who also plays for Jamaica. But Kenny's 36 years old and has never been called up to the Jamaican team because he's like a... He's basically um, Andreas Perlo, you know, when... Perlo played for NC uh, NYCFC, which is like very immobile, but can pick out a pass uh, from a standing point at any point. Um, I always root for Haiti because, um, to your point, Matt, uh, they are such a sad <laughs> as a country. They've had such a sad history. Things have been really bad. Um, starting up top for them is Francie Perot, who is a fascinating character because he was drafted by the Colorado Rapids, who failed to sign him, and then has uh, played around the world. He is currently playing for Maccabi Haifa, one of the top three teams in Israel. Um, so he's a kind of a fun story. Uh, other interesting players of note, I mean, I guess just the whole idea that Qatar is in the tournament is fascinating to me. I'm not sure why, really, except that maybe we just need to round things out. Matt, do you have any um, teams or, or favorites that you're excited about? I know you name-dropped St. Kitts and Nevis. Do you know anything about that team, or are there any other players on teams that are like a must-watch for you? Um, 
no, uh, St. Kitts and Nevis was just like the new rando kid on the block, like how it was Martinique and I think 2018 or 2019, I can't remember, whatever year that they had a player that FIFA was like pretty sure was ineligible because he'd been cap tied for France and he didn't, uh, he wasn't one of the younger players who had that special rule that allowed him to file that one time switch. And then FIFA had to step in and like flat out say like, if this guy, if you keep this guy in your team and if he plays in a game, like you're DQ'd from the tournament and get a bunch of losses, that's kind of wild. And so St. Kinsey Nevis is one of the newer ones in this from I am not an expert when it comes to some of these Caribbean teams, Mark, but I know that Cuba is always an interesting one in in this particular case. They've got um, I, I don't know what you guys are. So <laughs> so listeners, uh, Rabbi has this like green screen background of his book with a bunch of rabbis and then Edda is in the background like jumping in and out and sometimes it recognizes and doesn't recognize her and they're and it's appearing and disappearing and that's like just a everybody who's ever had a zoom background has had this experience where it's like super fun to like play with the background but we've like we missed all that pandemic fun of backgrounds I guess we're lame that way I hope we're not distracting you Matt you're saying brilliant things we're not teasing that you're trolling me, Rabbi, but in any case, you know, from from what I've seen and what I've heard from people who cover this, who cover these national teams a little bit better than I do, Cuba does have a decent team. But as we always know, Mark, anytime Cuba comes to the Gold Cup, defections are certainly a thing. And I remember there was one Gold Cup sometime in the last decade where, you know, they started like by the time they finished, they didn't have enough players left who were eligible to even like have a full and proper bench because they had had so many defections. And I think it's going to be interesting to see who defects and what does that mean for their soccer careers. Mark, you will remember a former defector uh, from the Cuban national team, Avzi Alonso, went on to be very successful in the USL championship, obviously won a bunch of trophies with the Seattle Sounders and is now, I believe, coming off the bench mostly for Atlanta United. So who knows? Maybe the next, maybe the, maybe the solution, Mark, to the Rapids left back position is a defecting Cuban left back who wants to, you know, get on a flight to Denver International Airport. Uh, last thing that I'll ask on the Gold Cup here, Rabbi, uh, give me a winner and give me how far the United States makes it. I think the U.S. is going to win it again. I feel like, um, considering that Mexico does not have its you know what together, uh, and I think there aren't too many other teams that are really really strong. Honestly, I think it's more or less a waltz to the to the title for the U.S. Um, the only other team that I could see, I mean, Canada's got a shot, but them starting off with a loss is not a great uh, sign for things. The only other team I can see winning it all is. Um, kind of a perennial threat, which is Panama, but I don't have any specific knowledge about whether this Panama team is particularly good. In fact, um, if you look at their lineup, there's not a lot of players on top-end teams. Andreas Andrade plays for Armenia Bielefeld in the German second division, but it's always a very good team. And Anibal Godoy is uh, with Nashville. Um, Karaskia for uh, for Houston. Um but after that, um, it's a it's a big drop off. But they're they you know they they've put it together in the past and they've had some pretty good gold cups. Um, for those of us who uh, may not recall, if you go way back in Colorado Rapids history, um, the Rapids had a, a player named Torres. Why am I blanking on his first name? Um, oh, darn it. In uh, who who had a really great breakout season in the 2014 Gold Cup, and so the Rapids went out and signed him as their first ever 
Gabby Torres. Flabby Torres. Gabby Torres, that's right. So, and the Rapids went out and signed him uh, as the team's first ever uh, designated player. So, you know, I mean, Panama has guys who kind of come out of the woodwork. So I, I feel like maybe they'll be the breakout team of this tournament. That's my take. Uh, last thing to say, the last two things that I'll say, Rabbi, is uh, we do have to remember there are two current Rapids players who are into the Gold Cup. Nois Bambito, off of his brief call-up, his last-minute call-up for the Nations League for Canada, is in with the group for the Gold Cup. And then Brian Acosta had already left by midweek last week to join Honduras in their Gold Cup bid as well. The knockout bracket, Rabbi, is actually favorable to the United States because they are in Group A. And so it's them, the runner-up in Group D, and then their next matchup would be the winner of Group C versus the runner-up in Group B. And Canada and Mexico are in Group B and C, respectively. So if they win their groups, they would actually set themselves up for a matchup in the semifinal. So I think the United States will make the final. I think they will lose the final to whoever wins that semifinal between uh, Mexico and Canada. And I think it will be Canada. So I think Canada beats Mexico. Canada gets the revenge and beats the United States in the final. Just given we've got a C team, it's still going to be vibes. It's still going to be really good. And hopefully a lot of those young U.S. players, Mark, are using the gold cup as a springboard towards better club opportunities for them some of them in europe will of course remember sammy vines who got on the radar of royal antwerp and then obviously played through all the way to the final of the gold cup in 2021 and then was sold uh, to royal antwerp maybe less than a week after the gold cup final was concluded Mark, this past Wednesday at Dick Sporting Goods Park, the Colorado Rapids were scheduled to play the Vancouver Whitecaps, and they ended up not playing them. Uh, the match was called off or delayed just two minutes or three minutes before the schedule kickoff time at 7.36 p.m., and then four hours and eight minutes later, I was sitting up in the press box for who I was told not quite 20 minutes before midnight that the game was ultimately called off. I, I won't go through the whole list of I won't go through the whole timeline of what happened listeners I'll include a link in the show notes to my article at burgundywave.com which details everything that happens but Chris Kamrani excuse me not Chris Kamrani Chris Bianchi gets involved in this rabbi and is mentioning you know how long the lightning is going to last and everything at one point the lights go out and we get an announcement from the uh, public address system saying that there's an electrical issue and the emergency generators are on <laughs> the emergency generators are fine and they're going to provide electricity until things come back and everything and then ultimately the lights come back 15 minutes later there was a bunch of lightning there was a bit of hail there was not apple-sized hail like was predicted like the apple-sized hail that sent people to the hospital in morrison colorado around red rocks as well it was absolutely crazy i had a whole hour and a half mark to look up that the latest a game had ended for relative to when the scheduled kickoff was to actually being played that day would have been the 2019 4th of July match against the New England Revolution, which full time occurred not a little over 15 minutes after midnight local time here in the mountain time zone. So you had bits of hail, you had bits of rain. Obviously, you had a lot of uh, you, you had a lot of hail. I had time to look that up. I then got bored, Mark. I put my headphones in and listened to some music as I lightly jogged twice around the concourse to count all the people to see who all was still there. And I felt pretty confident saying after that that there were less than 100 ticketed spectators by around 11.20, 11.30 uh, p.m. 
that night. And then obviously I go up to the press box. It, get annou- it gets announced that the game is off. And William Yarbrough, Mark, has a really nice heartfelt moment where he comes out still fully dressed up for, you know, in his full kit and everything, talking to maybe a dozen supporters that are in the northeast corner of the stadium, hunkering it down and everything. Uh, the Despite there not being a game played, Mark, I think this was still a testament that there's still some really hardcore Rapids fans out there who are willing to stick it out, who are willing to support the team, given the season they've had literally bad weather fans. And to, uh, to re-up on the SpongeBob joke that I made, Mark, Early on, uh, Rapids fans are ready for the apocalypse, and we like leather, and we like hiding under shelter because of lightning that puts the lights out at the Richard. Amazing. Well done, Matt. I, I salute you on what was probably a long and, and thankless night. And listeners, if you're wondering, why are we as a podcast giving air to a game that didn't happen? The answer is, sometimes if you're going to stick around in a game for four and a half hours, you deserve to tell the story. Tell the tale, my man. You know, tell tell us what it was like. And there were some there were some absolutely spectacular photos and videos. Was there free hot chocolate? Was there free hot chocolate? I did not. The they've got a, a not a cooler, a, a thermos like thing set up, Rabbi, for coffee. I normally don't drink coffee on match days. I don't drink a whole lot of caffeine right now, so did not see any hot chocolate. But I, I can tell you, Rabbi, once the everyone associated with media who had to stay there long enough to be like, I'm hungry again, the food was absolutely picked dry. The charcuterie board that we had up in the press box, which is normally like maybe a third of it left. Uh, the, you know, by the time we had it, like there was there was nothing. There was a grape, a crumb of a biscotti, if that or anything. Uh, there might have been like crumbles of cheese that were left at that point. It was absolutely picked out. At that point, you send somebody with a monocle down to the um, the uh, suite level to see if they can mingle with the uh, the, the hybrided individuals and, and mix it. Put in a cravat and say, my word, I have the vapors. May I perhaps take a bit of your brie and ch- and uh, and uh, you, although you use, you already use the word charcuterie, so Matt, maybe you're the most highbrow individual in the Rapids press box. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't roll. I don't roll that level. Probably. I can't mix with those folks. I do have a Fulham charcuterie board, Mark, which was born out of a meme of a traveling Rapid fan who I believe this was the Luton Town Road game now two seasons ago in the championship where we won uh, where we won one nil on a Metro header in an absolute pouring rain. And so it's uh, it's Fulham fans sitting in not first class, but maybe like the second class for the, you know, longer distance coach, not like the not like the local tube station that you had. And they're down with the four cushiony seats next to each other. And they've got charcuter- a charcuterie board and like a little like things of wine. And it completely wound up the away fans of this not being proper, you know, cans and a sausage roll on the uh, on the train on the way to your away day. But uh, the photos and the video coming out of this absolutely spectacular, Mark, um, credit to... Uh, I want to give a particular shout out to Isaiah Downing from USA Today Sports and MLS, uh, MLS's Twitter account put out absolutely fantastic shots that he had of the lightning as it was striking and the way it was going. And I'm not sure if he manipulates the lighting here, Rabbi, but there's like a purple cloud as well. So I don't know if that's the way the lighting was with the lightning or if it was something else uh, or if he put a filter on it, but it, it looked like Rocky's doom, whatever the purple equivalent of the Champions League was about to descend on Dick Sporting its Park. You had video of fans running onto the field and security not catching them by the time they went into the stands and everything. Uh, It was absolute madness, Rabbi. Um, 
And kind of ironically, from my own personal social accounts and from Burgundy Wave, Mark, I feel pretty confident in saying I got more likes and retweets over that night and everything that happened than like what would have to happen in a Rapids home game for me to get that much engagement on social media. You're talking like you're, you're probably talking Messi showing up in a Messi hat trick in order for that to happen. So. Uh, it was a memorable night, and at this point, Rabbi, I feel pretty confident I could do a the top 10 craziest WTF weather moments in Colorado Rapids history, and this one would certainly make that top 10 power ranking list. Last thing that I want to bring up, Rabbi, we don't yet have news on when that match is going to be rescheduled. If you have a ticket for that game, listeners, uh, that ticket will be honored at the rescheduled date. Uh, Rabbi, I have a hard time seeing with all the midweek games going on for both clubs in the month of July, this game taking place at all before the break for the League's Cup. There are two open Saturdays uh, where both teams would have right about a week open should neither of them get out of the group. Uh, the Whitecaps play in the final group stage game of their group, as do the Rapids, and those are, I believe, on the third to last, and the Rapids play the actual last group stage game at all on that Monday, the 31st of July. So in theory, Rabbi, with it being three games between and a round robin between three teams, there's a decent possibility that those two that the two earlier games determine ultimately who will go through in the group and potentially Vancouver and Colorado are already eliminated from the knockout stage of the League's Cup by the time we get to there. So those two Saturdays are a possibility. Both teams have a bunch of open Wednesdays, Mark, in the months of September and yeah, October. Yeah, going to happen. Yeah, or the other possibility, should the clubs be willing to and should the league be willing to grant it, they could play neither team plays in the September nor the October international break. So that's September 9th and 10th, the Saturday, Sunday, and I think it's the weekend of the 15th in October is also a possibility. Uh, Rabbi, you said you think it's going to be a midweek game? That would be my guess, but uh, you dropped the knowledge, Matt. I mean, uh, you did the far be it for me to pontificate about what might be the result when you actually did the research. So I think that that sounds, um, it would surprise me if they uh, did it soon. It would surprise me if they did it based on the possibility of either team being eliminated from Lee's Cup, because it would just take too, it would be too difficult to kind of like pull together at the last minute. Like you, you've got to, they'll probably announce when the rescheduled game is in the next you know, two weeks, and they'll probably set it for September, October. That'd be my guess. Yeah, I think doing it after League's Cup is just really questionable because then you're potentially you're potentially having to make a decision about a game that's going to take place 10 days after you know what's happening or if you're counting on a team getting you know let's say Vancouver or Colorado makes it to the next round they're probably playing that first knockout round game the round of 32 that Thursday Friday of that first full week of August and then you're counting on them losing and then agreeing to in eight days to play that game so the international window would be easy mark because I believe those are I don't believe I believe that those international windows are just friendlies. They're not actually Nations League. So then you figure, you know, if somebody's getting called up, you know, you could say, hey, it's a useless friendly. We actually have a game. Can you leave our you know, can you make our players, um, you know, can you not call up our players? And that'd probably be an easy thing for 
from the U.S. and Canada and Honduras, if we're including Brian Acosta, to be accommodating as far as those national teams are concerned. And then also, if you count it, Mark, I, I think the Rapids would probably be okay moving a Wednesday middle of the summer game to a Saturday after school resumes in the greater Denver area because, you know, I, I have to think, Mark, there's there's a lot of supporters who looked at once the schedule came out and knew that League's Cup was happening and knew that the Rapids from a probability standpoint, you know, were, you know, only one out of three teams is getting out of the group. They look at those two open Saturdays and they think I'm going to do something else. That's a trip we could do as a family right before the kids go back into the school. You punt it to September. It's it's still early enough in the season to where that game's not a dead rubber game. Both teams will be competing for something, probably won't be eliminated from playoff contention, but then it's also late enough to where it's a Saturday. That's going to make it easier for the traveling team. That's going to make it better from a money standpoint. And I haven't, you know, let's, let's look up the schedule because I haven't looked at this mark. I'm wondering if there's no other games that are played that weekend. I have to think that both clubs are probably thinking like, let's be the marquee thing that's happening on MLS 360 that weekend. So if I just forward all the way through, so if I look at uh, September 10th, for example, so there's the Saturday the 9th and then Sunday the 10th, uh, you've got two games at 5.30, you've got a game at 6.30, a game at 8.30, that's Portland LAFC, that's probably the biggest matchup. Well, you've got Inter-Miami versus Kansas City, so SKC versus Messi, and the only game you have on Saturday is a uh, is LA Galaxy versus St. Louis City. So you'd have you'd be the only game in that 730 Mountain Times time slot mark. Or if you want to do the Sunday and manipulate it a little bit, you could scatter it with the uh with the G's versus St. Louis and you know and be in a in a further spot in a more prominent spotlight giving you're not jammed in the middle of the central time zone games and then before all the Pacific time zone games are happening. So that's what my money's on. But we'll see. Um you know hopefully the hopefully the club you know, gets a gets one that ultimately works for them, um, both from a supporter standpoint, from a logistical standpoint. Anything else that we want to say about the game that did not happen, Rabbi, or shall we? No, no, we should talk about games that actually will happen. Uh, listeners, this past Saturday, also at the Richard, the Colorado Rapids actually played the Los Angeles Galaxy and got to a nil-nil draw. Listeners, where what nine games winless, ten games winless? I've I've lost count. We're we're past the point where me breaking down the nuances of every single play and the little tactical differences and in what way the first twenty minutes of the first half were different from the final twenty minutes of the first or the second half. So uh, you can go back and you can look at the you can watch the four minute highlights on social media. You can go back and watch the condensed highlights or the full recap or the full um, highlights on Apple TV. You can go check out DNVR's, you know, drawers lounge that they had an hour after the game as well. So I'm not going to break down that mark, but we're just going to talk big picture of the things that I looked at. So I'm going to go with one rabbi and then I will throw it to you. Um, the Rapids came out and they were clearly the better team. They had a bunch of really decent chances. I thought that Steven Madisher and Johnny Lewis combined really well on the left in order to create chances. Cole had a really good header as well. They got numerous opportunities on set pieces. The service into there was in good areas. They weren't able to finish and then the energy dropped and gradually the Galaxy were able to kind of get their momentum. And Mark, this is just another game at home against a weekend opponent where the Rapids have a good start. 
and they weren't able to finish them off or cash in on the opportunity. And gradually, it just got so much easier for a team that was clearly in crisis to see it out and be content with a nil-nil draw. If you can't beat the LA Galaxy, given their circumstances, given the fact that they had one healthy center back, they were starting an outside back, folks, at the center back position. Like, it was Ricky Pooj and nobody else in the attack whatsoever. Dejan Jovalik didn't have a particularly good game. I was not impressed with what Preston Judd was doing as well. At times, Raheem Edwards, who is not a great player in Major League Soccer for me, he's fine. He's average. He used to be. Yeah, but he was being played as like a as like a left winger. Like this is the level of desperation and lack of options that Greg Vanny had. And they came out and played a boring defensive soccer game, Mark, that relied on the opponent not absolutely tearing you apart. And they weren't torn apart and they got a nil-nil draw. If you cannot win that game, I don't know, Rabbi Mark Goodman, where a home win is coming in 2023 for the Colorado Rapids. Uh, this was a spoon, spoon six-pointer. And the LA Galaxy got the better of the performance and the better of the result for me. Mark, I'm going to say it right now. Until further notice, the Colorado Rapids are the favorite for the 2023 Anthony Precourt Memorial Trophy. Nice. Um, I might just give him my general impressions, Matt, or anything in specific you want me to comment on. Um, You know, why don't you give one point and then give it back to me and we'll go back and forth. Um, Johnny Lewis had a nice, uh, chance in the 18th minute that he didn't finish. Um, I don't know that I feel that, like, strongly that he should have finished it because he was coming from a difficult angle, which also points out a a very Colorado Rapids thing, which is they take low percentage shots and then they don't finish them. They don't, they're not like a high, high percentage scoring team. Um, there was a play at the 37th minute where the, uh, where, Stephen Bateshore dropped the line, and for those who don't know what that term means, if if you're if you're not following me, um, when the defense are not all in line, the farthest back defender is where the attackers are allowed to stand, and so two um, LA Galaxy attackers were able to get in from behind easily on for a, a scooped pass. Um, that they nearly converted because Stephen Bateshore had just decided to not pay attention to where everybody else was on the line. Um, I think the most important thing, I guess I've given two points um, instead of just one, Matt, but I'll just say the only thing I last thing I have to say, which is I thought the LA Galaxy looked really sloppy. There were so many passes where the ball came to them and they like drilled it out of bounds or like took a sloppy touch and lost control of it and turned it over or just mishit the pass. And I was like, God, these look, this is a terrible soccer team, especially in the first half. And the Rapids still couldn't beat them. They still couldn't, you know, um, get into, into difficult, create, create problems for the galaxy in transition. They couldn't create high quality chances. Um, they didn't, they didn't, complete or connect passes very effectively they just weren't very good and i was like if we can't beat this team we can't beat anybody going off of that mark you know i thought i I didn't think either team was particularly sharp with the ball i thought the rapids were i thought the rapids were good enough with the ball in the opening 20 25 minutes and maybe in the middle half of the second half and I thought the galaxy gradually in in both halves the galaxy gradually got better and I think had the had the better final 15 minutes so 30 to 45 and then 75 to 90 I thought the galaxy were clearly the better team in those periods but you know um the the Colorado 
let the galaxy off the hook in those moments by being less sharp with the ball. It just, it amazes me, Rabbi, regardless of the state of the team or the injuries that they have or what Robin Frazier is doing from a tactical or a personnel standpoint, that just, if they show up with intensity and they're focused for 90 minutes and they're good on the ball, this is a team that, as we saw, was very capable of being a very good team and taking it to great teams in MLS in 2021. And when they are okay or inconsistent at those things, they are straddling the playoff line like they did in 2022. And when they do none of those things well, this team is non-competitive on any level with the vast majority of teams in Major League Soccer, including struggling teams that come to Commerce City, Colorado and struggle. Yeah. Last thing I'll say is that uh, um, uh, uh, William Yarborough bailed the Rapids out big time in the 85th minute with a save on... Ricky Pouge that was a uh, uh, killer. It was a it was a great play, and um, you know actually the Galaxy had a, a great save on that um, Johnny Lewis uh, shot in the uh, whatever it was the 18th minute. So the goalkeepers had a nice game, um, and I think that if you are an uh, an MLS team writing the the comms um, post game report and you're trying to say something, you'd say something like goalkeepers sparkle in another you know, clean sheet performance for our our team. And that you could you could have cut and pasted both of those comments right into either the Galaxy or the Rapids. But this is what you say as a as a PR team when your team doesn't generate any offense. Like we had one really great save because otherwise there's nothing to talk about. I mean, you know, I, I think the amazing thing is that it looked like there was a really good crowd on hand for the for the night for the Rapids. Like it looked like they had pretty much sold out which either means there's a lot of Galaxy fans in Colorado, which considering me and Matt are both expat Los Angelinos, uh, makes a lot of sense. But um, another way of looking at it is, it's a beautiful night, uh, the weather's nice in Colorado right now, um, the Rapids are drawing, and they don't even have to be good. Um, but they can't, They, you know, these, there's always people who come out to these games who it's their first game ever with the Rapids. And if you're going to drop a nil-nil stinker where there's no real electric plays and nothing really exciting you're not making new soccer fans um and that's really a shame uh to your point rabbi about the spin that you have going on when it comes to a comm standpoint another way put it just uh on the other side of the city market Coors field you could say Rockies score run in the eighth inning despite loss to the los angeles angels which ended up being a 25 to 1 right. like said a bunch of modern records that you had you mentioned the attendance rabbi officially according to the mls box score sixteen thousand oh eight two. yeah that is tickets distributed listeners but i you know I, I agree with you rabbi and you know um noticed it immediately in the press box maybe with about 20 minutes to go before kickoff that it was a bigger crowd than usual my usual really good rule of thumb is if i can look across the stadium and it's not obvious to me what letters or what sections spelled out in colorado and i look down and i feel the same way um that's pretty good and i'm not sure there was more than one or two letters you know with 10 minutes to go before kickoff that i was able to recognize and certainly by the 10th 15 minute you know it was a section that was absolutely filling in uh, i want to talk about individuals rabbi you know i thought ralph Priso had one of his better halves with the colorado rapids you I thought he was really good from a pace and a spacing standpoint. In moments where he had to be physical, he was. But we've seen where Ralph maybe relies on that physical aspect a little bit too much and then doesn't do enough with the ball or with his movement. And I thought he was excellent when he was given space. He did good stuff with it. Nothing that was, you know, world beating or anything, but just from a 
tempo standpoint, get into a good area to relieve pressure for whoever has the ball and then move it into a good area. He was a good ex-goal chain progressive passer without being spectacular. And for a 19, 20-year-old who I have criticized a lot this season, that was really good. Disappointing to see him go down with a knee injury. Robin Frazier described that as a dead leg Charlie horse um, and said that the halftime substitution for Danny Leva was mostly a precautionary one. I very encouraged Rabbi seeing the replay that it was ultimately a contact injury and Ralph was able to get up, walk off the pitch of a soon accord and then finish out the half. You know how triggered it is for you, me, Mark, and certainly the listeners to see a knee injury for a Rapids player. And if it's a non-contact situation, um, I, I'm not too worried about Ralph's availability to try and you know be one of those kids who gets moments later on in this season, especially after things go right. And then Sam Nicholson, Mark, I feel like continues to get criticism from the fan base when he's put into a to a role that has both attacking and defensive components to it. And when he's not a Keegan Rosenberry or Stephen Betasher in defense, then he gets criticized for those lapses, that lack of defensive energy. And I still think he's solving a lot of problems or he's the least bad option in that left wing back position or in that sort of mobile freestanding guy uh, that you have either on the left. He was, he did spend some time on the right in this game as well. And I know some of that criticism does come by from, fans knowing what Sam Nicholson is, understanding he's finite, and being more mad at either Frazier's personnel decisions for the fact that Nicholson's able to start for this team that says that this team is bad, or that the front office did such a bad job roster building that uh, the proverbial Scottish cream has risen to the top in Sam Nicholson. I thought he's done a yeoman's job in the various roles that he's been asked to do. I think he's had a really good mentality. You know, I spoke to him, you know, for Burgundy Wave on Friday, and, you know, he said that he was just happy to be on the pitch, and he's not going to complain. He'll do whatever Rob and Frazier asks of him and everything. I think it's time we give Ralph Creso and Sam Nicholson uh, their flowers for what they've done in the last couple weeks for the club. And then uh, Ra- Mark uh, Mark Rubio, Diego Rubio Rabbi, was a unused substitute. I don't want to read too much into this, but I saw it, and then I saw a few people on Twitter who have seats closer to where the players warm up would have noticed it. He appeared to tweak something slightly during warm-ups early on in the second half, had a visit with the trainer, and then sat down on the bench before uh, the major substitutions occurred. Robin Frazier described it as one thing after another for him in terms of injury availability, saying he's not quite right, but he is close. Um, I have to imagine that it, it wasn't Diego Rubio was not put on the bench to be a dead sub as someone who was not available to play a role in this game whatsoever, purely to make the LA Galaxy anxious about Diego Rubio coming on as well. I'd love to see him play on Saturday, Mark, uh, given what we've said about this team offensively. They need Diego Rubio back. And then last thing, uh, and then I'll, I'll pause it to you, Rabbi. I have a hypothesis. We saw back four times in this game with what they had, and I'm, I'm at the point where We know Danny Wilson is a flawed center back in a back four with the midfield unable to shield against his weaknesses. You have to have three center backs back there. I would say the same reason. I would say the same thing about Lalsa Bubakar. Different strengths, different weaknesses. But fundamentally, without Jack Price um, in this team, without Brian Acosta available to come off the bench and have that solidity in midfield, you can't risk numbers wise and spacing wise only having two center backs back there, especially when the wings backs, the fullbacks are so important to what Robin Frazier tries to do in transition and in possession. And I'm wondering, Rabbi, if we're at the point where 
Booba's close enough. Moist Bambito coming back from the Gold Cup would be close enough. Maybe even my Mike Edwards, who's been an absolute warrior for Rapids 2 this season. If at some point, once it's clear that the team's not going to make the playoffs, it's worth experimenting with one of those guys as a two-back with Andreas Makshu to be ultimately a back four to then do something else tactically that just doesn't limit what this team is able to do, either from a shape or a number standpoint further up the pitch. And I think pretty clearly when it's Danny Wilson and Lalo Sububakar, you are limited in that. And that does kind of limit what Andreas Maxu is able to do. Granted, his strengths play to those players' weaknesses. But if you can just have somebody who is just not as bad 1v1 defending like Danny Wilson, particularly from a speed standpoint, or Lalo, who, as we know, is a chaos merchant and likes to roam and that leaves space and gaps and everything, that is functional that is something you can deal with when you have a back three back five the the rapids right now can't risk it in a back four and i'm wondering mark if we need to think about the long-term future of the club given the young center backs the team have and is one of those a viable mls caliber center back partner with the great dane at the back to where you would give that flexibility because the reason for the back five the back three that we saw originally was lawless was in good form Nanny Wilson was in good form and you had Austin Trusty. And so that was a that was a point of strength and you needed to get those three guys on the field. And now you're kind of hamstrung into that formation because of those players and their limitations. Mark, am I crazy? Well, you you've actually answered a question uh, really nicely, which is, I think, uh, and I'll, I'll throw out a different position, same idea, which is I think all that you've established, Matt, is you've said Andreas Maxo, Max Shu is the is the right guy. Um, who we play around him and whether the formation is two center backs or three center backs is a big question. So we can have the exact same conversation at midfield regarding whether it's three midfielders, two midfielders, or four midfielders, depending on how you look at the formation. And one of those guys is Connor Ronan because he he passes the ball well. He's good in in possession. He did have one moment where he didn't successfully clear the ball and it nearly turned into that goal the the Galaxy scored in the 85th, but it was a hiccup for him. Um, he also had a recovery tackle at, like, the 15th minute that, like, blew my mind. He, like, came out of nowhere and swatted the ball away at the at the line, and it was fantastic. Um, and he does stuff like that all the time. Um, he covers a lot of ground. He has his head on a swivel. He's bo- He's good in both directions. He's tidy with the ball. I think his only lacking area is an area that most small um, defensive midfielders lack at, which is he's not a great aerial threat, which is because he's not very tall. Um, and he doesn't need to be a great aerial threat when he's the one taking corners. And when you've got when you can bring Danny Wilson up into that position to take, you know, um, uh, to challenge uh, for those long kicks, balls by uh, goalkeepers uh, or Lalo Zubukar, you don't really need to have Connor Ronan in that position. Anyways. Connor Ronan is a guy who you can put in ink on the field every week in the midfield. The question then becomes for the Rapids, who do you put next to him? Like, Cole Bassett didn't have a great game this week. Um, You know, uh, Brian Acosta has this real talent for taking these laser long shots that don't actually go in, but look like they ought to go in. Um, And he's he's tough in the tackle, but he's not really, um, he doesn't have a lot of pace, so he can't actually cover that much ground. Um, you know, your other options at central midfield, Jack Will- Jack Price is out for the year. Um, Ralph Prizzo has, I think you covered his um, upsides and downsides really, really well. 
Um, you could drop Diego Rubio back into that position, but we really don't have a center forward at all, although Calvin Harris had a really nice week for Rapids too. Um, but he hasn't proven that he's ready at the higher level. We just, you know, all we've, all we've established, Matt, is you and I have both established that, like, okay, Andreas Maxu is the right guy to build the defense around. Connor Ronan is the right guy to build the, the midfield around. The other nine players, well, with the exception of uh, William Yarbrough, who clearly has locked down the goalkeeper position. So we've locked down three positions. We have no idea what other eight players are the best players on the Rapids. And that's a huge problem. And none of them have really established themselves. I think you offered some really interesting ideas about guys who are on the junior team that might deserve a call up. But my assumption has generally been if the coaching staff sees Rapids 2 play or if they go to training and they see guys uh, and then they don't put them in the 18-man lineup, the assumption is they're not at the same level. I think you're right, Matt, to challenge that assumption, to say, like, Michael Edwards needs a run. Um, you know, uh, Yosuke Honda needs a run. Uh, Hanya. Hanya. I always mess that up. I don't know why I haven't gotten it right all season or last season for this, for that matter. Um, I know we can't call him back up because he's had his four emergency call-ups, but, you know, you could make a signing. You could um, change the roster. And we're supposed to make some moves before the July 5th uh, or July whatever uh, roster deadline. I mean, I think we should be making moves. We're in dead last. There's no reason to look at the roster and say, like, oh, we have to, we can't change this. It's working so well, right? Like, it's not working. Um, in baseball, the concept is something called the DFA, designation for assignment. In a, in soccer, there's no exact, uh, uh, there's no uh, equivalent, right? Basically, you're cutting a guy. I mean, you put a guy on waivers, um, but in with the Colorado Rapids being in the position they're in, what happens is you put a guy on waivers, hoping that someone else claims him, and we don't have to pay his salary for the rest of the year. But like nobody's picking up our guy. Uh, you know, that we put on waivers, like we're, we're eating that salary. Like that's it. But, um, you know, if we have to eat 150,000 or $300,000 worth of salary to bring in some guys who might start to warm up to the team so that they can be productive in 2024, that's a sacrifice we ought to make. Um, I feel bad saying, you know, some of these guys who you see at training all the time, Matt, and who you've interviewed ought to be cut. But like, I don't think, like, you know, the only guys on the roster that I think are safe, personally, to be to be honest, from, from being cut outright um, or traded, you know, for, for peanuts, uh, Diego Rubio, Jack Price, because he's injured, the aforementioned Ronan, and Maxo, um, and... I'd, I'd say a bunch of the homegrowns you still hold, right. like a, a Darren Yappy, uh Bassett probably Bombito because, because he's been with the club for a while and he's he's there's as a loyalty factor there, um, and then Sam Nicholson because he'll run through a wall for you. He's just he's just uh, he's a useful cog. You can put him in a lot of different positions. Everybody else on the roster, I there's nobody there that I would say like, oh yeah, we we he's a, we absolutely got to like, and that's not to say that they're not valuable or that they don't do a great job or that they're not in a different year with different players around them, we couldn't be right in it with the playoffs. But like, you know, when you're this bad, nobody's job is safe. Yeah. You know, I, I was looking at this the other day, Mark, I was speaking to someone at the club 
I'm now of I separately came to this impression, Mark, and I've now heard someone who I respect when it comes to grading the academy players coming through the academy and then joining in and being around the first team to where now I think we need to pump the brakes on the hype around Sebastian Anderson and Oliver Laraz, though I will be hyping up Oliver Laraz in a minute when we get to his Rapids 2 goal over the weekend of, you know, I, I looked this up because I was curious, Rabbi. Sebastian Anderson career MLS minutes is 385. Uh, Mark, 317 of those came in the calendar year of, of 2019. He did not play for the first team in MLS play at all in 2020. He had one appearance for 31 minutes in 2021, and he's had three appearances for 10 minutes total in the last two years. So if it like it, not even like, are you better than Keegan Rosenberry? Can you back up Keegan Rosenberry? Can you do something different? Can you do something well? Is there a tactical benefit to you playing the final 15 minutes of a game rather than having Keegan Rosenberry's almost 30 year old hamstrings go 90 times 34 plus open cup plus at least two games for leagues cup as well. You know, like the Sebastian Anderson is firmly entering Dylan Serna 2017 territory. If you can't get more than two minutes on potentially the worst team in Major League Soccer in one full calendar season where you've been healthy for the vast majority of the time, to your point, Rabbi, that speaks to where your job security should be and whether or not the club could be bringing in somebody else that's able to uh, contribute something elsewhere. Um, so with that, Rabbi, I do want to talk about Rapids too. But first, uh, you've got some fancy stuff, Mark, that uh, is burning a hole in your wallet when it comes to going to the U.S. Postal Service <laughs> and sending stuff to people who gave us 42 bucks for the year. I do not mind. Uh, listeners, today, all of your um, holding the high line pint glasses were mailed out. You should have them by Thursday. Um, so it's entirely possible but by the time you tuck in to listen to this podcast while you mow your lawn or um, drive back from work on Thursday or get ready for this Saturday's game, you will have waiting at home in your mailbox or by the front door um, a little brown box full of goodness, a 16-ounce pipe glass, care of your friends, Rabbi and Red, over at the podcast. We're glad to do it for all of our highliners. That's folks who pay $5 a month or $42 a year. Um, we're going to keep this offer open for a couple more weeks. If you want to join holding the high line as a highliner and then send in an email to us, um, uh, asking, uh, with, with your address on it, we will send you a pint glass. Uh, if we've got any leftovers at the end of this introductory offer, we'll, um, offer it for just straight up sale for those of you who, um, can't quite make the full-time commitment to this, but um, we really appreciate you, our Highliners, for reading and listening to our content and for supporting all the good work we do. So you can hoist a pint glass that says cheers to the six on the back and holding the Highline with our cool new logo on the front. Shout out to Dwayne Brown, who uh, did the redesign. Shout out to um, who did the original design, Matt? I'm trying to remember. It was Juan, right? Uh, the original HTHL logo was uh, C47 Designs, who is a Crystal Palace, nice. uh, Colorado Springs uh, Switchbacks fan who moved to Carolina. And uh, it was a young, I think he's, I think he was a freshman in high school at the wow. time, Mark. He has a relatively anonymous social media following, at least he did at the time. So I'm not going to potentially dox him. I, I know what his name is and everything. But uh, we did it. He wanted a Crystal Palace scarf, a switchback scarf, and a um, 
and they uh and i think i think he was moving to charlotte so charlotte independence whichever usl team he was closest to he wanted those so for like four Dwayne just wanted a pint glass and he forgot to send me his email address or his his mailing address so Dwayne brown if you're listening to this podcast i gotta you gotta you gotta send me your mailing address so i can send you a pint glass we also sent out pint glasses too um drew moore one of our favorite all-time probably the all-time leader in appearances on this podcast uh for interviews i've interviewed him twice matt you've interviewed uh, drew moore a couple times um jordan angeli gets one for being awesome uh and uh of course if you're gonna have a logo that says cheers to the six you've got to recognize the greatest six in human history with the possible exception of ngolo kante and that is Michael Azira. And so Mikey's getting a pint glass. Uh, he got that mailed to him at his new home in Mississippi where he's coaching soccer. So cheers to the true six, the greatest six of all time. Michael Azira will be hoisting a holding the Highline pint. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll move on from this uh, with this final uh, comment. If if there's anything that proves that you want this pint glass is the knowledge that somewhere at the same time that you're sipping some beer out of that pint glass, Michael Azira is sipping out of the exact same pint glass, possibly at the exact same time. If that doesn't make you want to buy 12 of them, I don't know what will. 42 bucks, we send you a pint glass, and then you can literally pour one out for your favorite Rapids Demon listeners. Um, Mark, let's talk about Colorado Rapids 2, who I guess two weekends ago now lost their over the break where the Rapids didn't have a game in the weekend due to the international break, lost their first game of the season to Tacoma Defiance, and they come back, Rabbi, on Sunday at uh, at DU's soccer stadium, and they get a 5-1 victory against the LA Galaxy, against Los Dos, LA Galaxy 2. Not unlike some of their other home wins this season, they have a really good start to the game, are unable to finish, and then the opponent gets one opportunity, gets one kind of weird goal, and then Rapids 2 completely responds and comfortably wins this. They won this one 5-1, to one, and then they won the uh, the reverse fixture, Rabbi, back at the, I don't know if this would have been at the Diggity or the Track and Field Stadium, but they won 5-0. So combined, R2 has beaten Los Dos this season over the course of two legs by an aggregate score of 10-1. to one. They are top of the table in MLS Next Pro. They are level on points with uh, Crown Legacy FC, the Charlotte FC affiliate. They do have a game in hand on Charlotte, and they have a uh, superior uh, goal difference. They have a plus 21 goal difference. They're 5-1-2 and two at home. They're 5-0-1 oh, on the road. And Mark, I wrote a really good piece on their turnaround that they had a couple weeks ago for Burgundy Wave. I'll put the link in the show notes for listeners who want to check it out. Mark, they had a core group of guys who are part of the Rapids organization who learned a lot of lessons last year when they were struggling. The academy kids who've been on the fringes of the team have stepped up and pretty much every single player that they have added coming off of either previous USL experience or previous MLS Next Pro experience has come in and been a difference maker. I look at a Marlon Vargas who comes over from Tacoma 
and has really been there, Jonathan Lewis, and has had really good finishing. Although the Ravs has won the cap, worn the captain's armband at times in midfield, and he's kind of the, a very good tempo setter. I would say he's slightly on the Jack Price side of Connor Ronan if we're comparing him on the spectrum of other Rapids midfielders you'd be familiar with. And Remy Cabral, Rabbi, has been absolutely fantastic. He was uh, he was injured for this game, so you mentioned Calvin Harris, who started, got the first two goals, including a fantastic cherry pick at uh, midfield where the Rapids are defending a set piece. They end up winning the ball back. They lump it up to Calvin Harris. He takes a touch to get into open space. He gets challenged by the last LA Galaxy 2 defender. He holds him off. Really great hold-up play. And then he turns it perfectly. Goes, you know, and then goes straight on breakaway. 1v1 with the goalkeeper. And then just an absolutely fantastic finish. Great to see him get back. Uh, It's his longest stint that he's had in terms of minutes in that game since coming back from his green card spoke to him post game. He's feeling much better about where his fitness is to come and everything. And, you know, he's getting good vibes as well. And Remy Cabral is sitting up on the concourse, not 15 feet away from me. And he's celebrating every single goal. He's cheering for Calvin Harris, uh, the players who speak French. He's yelling at them in French. He's hyping up Booba, you know, from 40 yards away. And um, Daniel Aguirre, Robert Aguirre, excuse me, has been a really good workmanlike player for. Rapids 2, and it's an it's it's garbage time at this point. Rapids 2 is up 4-1. Final 10 minutes. LA Galaxy 2 got a second yellow card prior to that, and they set up for a counterattack, and Aguirre is setting up for a shot, and Remy sees it four seconds before anybody else does, that the ball is going to come to him, and that he's going to score, and he scores, and and you could see Robert Aguirre just like uh, com- like let all of his emotions out of just the joy of being rewarded by scoring. The bench jumps up. They're going nuts. Remy and his entourage are going absolutely crazy. Uh, Mark, this is a fun team to watch. They play fun soccer. They win. I was saying to someone I was saying to someone at the club, like it was nice to come to a game and see guys wearing Rapids colors win a game and score five goals. I can't remember the last time that that happened. They're playing such a similar style of play to what the first team is trying to do. They've built on everything that they failed in. Last season, Eric Boucher's done a good job. Brian Crookham's done a good job with recruitment. They have such a healthy culture. As I mentioned earlier, they're celebrating each other's wins, even if it's for a player who is in direct competition with them for playing time. They are having fun. They are enjoying being top of the table. They want to do something well. And more importantly, Mark, I look at when first team players go down and play with R2, whether it's Anthony Markanich, Mike Edwards, Abubakar Keita, they are getting meaningful minutes that is helping them push their way into the first team. I look at young academy players like a Jackson Travis, who was hurt much of last year, has worked his way into the team, has been a regular starter for them, is working his way into being an impact player. Um, he's solid defensively. He's getting into good areas in terms of getting into the final third. It's not great as far as the final product. That happens. But the the younger, more fringy, homegrown players are getting opportunities as well. And as we've seen, you've seen Marlon Vargas and you've seen Yosuke Hanya uh, come up and be extremely effective star players in MLS Next Pro come in and not look completely out of place for the first team when they've been an absolute disaster as well. And maybe they're looking at this as an opportunity for them to be great players in MLS Next Pro and then come into next season and have a realistic possibility of being a contributor for the first team and signing a first-year contract. Listeners, you should be paying attention to what Rapids do is doing in MLS Next Pro. They deserve their flowers just as much as Sam Nicholson does, if not more. 
well said, Matt. I cannot add anything to it. Of course, I talked about the Rapids 2 game I watched last week, and uh, they lost, and they had a rough game. And, uh, you know, that happens sometimes. But uh, I think your reporting on this is uh, great. It's really important. It's hard to ask the question about whether um, we should kind of abandon the senior team and watch the junior team. Uh, you know, the the an- another valid question I think Rapids fans will sometimes say, and this is, uh, I hesitate to pick fun of our fans who will say this because in my gut, I understand where the desire comes from. But a lot of people will say, just fire all the senior players, let the junior guys go out there. Like send, send Rapids 2 out to play in MLS. And like, the answer is they wouldn't do very well, right? Like they, they wouldn't, they're not ready at that level. Um, I do think considering the lack of success at the senior level, some challenges there you we will ask questions about Robin Frazier um I don't I haven't liked the way Robin Frazier has rolled out the team the last couple of weeks I don't I think he's made some some formation adjustments but I don't think tactically we look very good um I think you could pretty much easily point to uh Eric Boucher as a possible replacement in the event that um at least short term, uh, in okay. the event that okay. Robin Frazier gets fired, but uh, or if he I, takes the Toronto job, yeah, no, I don't think anybody's offering anybody who's in twenty ninth place any new jobs unless it's uh, teams in Dubai, Qatar, or Oman. Um, Mark, if I offered you the Toronto FC job right now, you would take it just for the signing no, bonus no. to fix your boiler. No, my point is Robin Frazier's not being offered any jobs right now. That's for sure. Okay, yeah. But Matt is mentioning Matt. Matt, uh, just like Matt says, diggity, and assumes we all know what that means. He means diggity <laughs> health park, which is LA Galaxy's thing. Matt is referring to the fact that if you weren't following MLS news recently, Bob Bradley was fired. I think yesterday as the head coach for Toronto FC. That was kind of long coming in that like Toronto is playing really badly. They're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and in addition to that, more importantly. They're two very expensive Italian import players, Bernadeschi and Insigne, both hate each other and apparently hate Bob and hate the way Bob is setting up the team. And they don't get along with Michael, Michael Bradley, Bob's son. So it was all like, you know, a messed up system that needed to be um, repaired. So to that end, I would say Robin Frazier's not in that much danger because there's not open war in the locker room. But the flip side of that is it's pretty clear that things aren't working at the Rapids. And right now, till basically the end of July, is prime midseason firing time. So um, I think Pablo Mastroeni got fired like at the beginning of August. I think um, uh, Anthony Hudson got fired at the beginning of July. We're right in the bell curve, folks. We're right in, into that not so sweet spot. So. I hate to bring up firings. I don't like firings. I also think um, folks who are uh, making when when we're talking about who's responsible for the debacle the Rapids are in, um, we're we're likely to look at some house clearing if it happens, which is Cork Smith um, losing his role as general manager, although he's been elevated to president, president. now. So I don't know that he's really in danger. It's very confusing. I don't. I don't. You know, the question is, who's to blame? I mean, f- 
Fran Taylor just became the general manager, firing him when he hasn't actually been responsible for the mess that's in front of him would be totally unfair. But I'm partial to Fran, so, um, you know, I will probably never say, fire Fran Taylor, but, like, you know, um, because I like the dude, because I wrote, I wrote the one and only bio of the dude that exists on the intertubes. So, anyways, this was long and rambly and had nothing to do with Matt's question. Go ahead, Matt. We're talking about rapids. Uh, just a, a few other players who I wanted to highlight there for you, Mark. Blake Ballone has been the starter, I guess, at the left center back when they've been in the back three for a number of games. And he has a really interesting pedigree from a soccer standpoint. Uh, went to University of North Carolina the same time as former Rapids player and current Memphis 901 defender Jeremy Kelly. Um, and then spent some time in the Seattle Sounders organization. I've just been every single game that I've seen from him. I've been super impressed. Do I think he's higher up in the depth chart from the other Rapids center backs who I've said should be given an opportunity with new tactical changes to uh, the first team, probably not. And then Daniel Garcia is a center back prospect as well out of Fort Collins and also the Rapids Academy, who not from a quality or necessarily a potential standpoint just yet, but from a style of play, there's a lot that the organization sees in him from a ball playing standpoint and then particularly the ability to dribble forward and then distribute. So Danny Wilson, Tommy Smith, maybe similar mold possibly there. And every single time I've seen him over the course of the last couple of years between a random academy training that I would go to or MLS Next Pro last year or this year. I see incremental growth with him. Where his ultimate um, potential is, I'm not entirely sure. He is just 18 years old. He'll turn 19 in the month of August. He's a 2004. And then the last one, Rabbi, would be Daniel Chacon, who's been mostly on the outside looking in. He had a couple starts in April, and then there were rumblings from an outlet that I can't remember, but that's based in Costa Rica, saying that potentially he's being loaned for the Apertura in La Liga in Costa Rica with either it's either Alajuelense or Saprisa. I can't remember which one I probably should have looked that up but then that's possibly also being combined with him signing a deal with the club through 2026 that could include and I'm not sure it's not clear to me rabbi yet based on the roster rules that we've seen how one takes a guy who's not an academy player or a homegrown and takes them from an MLS Next Pro contract to a contract with the first team or what rules are in place or if you somehow have, if there's a discovery list for a player that is already on your reserve team, how that works, but there's either flexibility in that or that it's straight up a first team contract starting in 2024. Those are all possibilities. And I know he came in with a lot of hype and fanfare. He's technically the only current Rapids player to make a World Cup squad as well. So that's something that I'm looking at to see whether or not he fits his way in. And maybe, Mark, as we see uh, Buba Karketa or a Michael Edwards establish themselves more prominently within the first team, there's then more opportunities for a Blake Malone, a Daniel Garcia, a Daniel Chacon to get those MLS Next Pro um, opportunities. And then the conveyor belt, you know, continues, you know, all the way on to the first team that, you know, needs help. Um, that's it as far as as far as Rapids 2 that I have to say. Uh, listeners, like the, like the, the games are fun, obviously. You're going down into you. I have to imagine for a number of you that's an easier drive than making it out to Commerce City. And the games are kind of a nice, lazy Sunday afternoon, early evening as well. So if, if you haven't, I'm, I'm not here petitioning saying you to buy, you know, season tickets for the rest of the Rapids 2 season. But, you know, it's a worthwhile afternoon to go out and see one of those, given how good the team is. And given that in a lot of ways, this could be the future of the Colorado Rapids, um, possibly sooner rather than later 
Anything else, Rabbi, or shall we move on? Let's get to that final item, which is previewing our next loss. I mean, our next match. Yeah, I'm not going to spend... I don't have a whole lot to say about this game, Mark, uh, and that'll give you an indicator of where I think it's going to go, listeners. Uh, we are currently 1934 through the Colorado Rapids, 2023 MLS regular season. Pids sitting on 14 points off of those 19 games played, a record of 2, 9, and 8, and they have a goal difference of negative 13. And away from the Richard this season, they are 2, 5, and 3. They are taking on first place in the MLS Western Conference, St. Louis City. They have... 32 points off of 19 games played. 10, 7, and 2 is the record. A goal difference of plus 13. And at City Field, City Park, they are 6, 3, and 1. Uh, Mark, this is a team that prior to playing the Rapids for the first time got off to an absolute hot start. And we were convinced that they were a cheat code and they were going to be the first MLS Invincibles in league history. And then, surprise, other teams got better at not passing the ball straight to Xiao Klaus. Xiao Klaus got hurt and he is going to be out for... Uh, a little bit more time than previously anticipated. He's out for this game, as is Leuven Lewin. Uh, their uh, do-it-all midfielder as well. Those are their two big DPs. They still have Roman Berkey, who was named to the MLS All-Star team uh, earlier today. No Rapids player named the All-Star team. Uh, the official position of holding the high line listeners is that uh, we are agnostic towards the MLS ASG, and we're not going to talk about it until a Rapids player actually makes it. But so he's in their mark. They have Tim Parker. This is still a good team overall from a roster build standpoint. They play an extremely effective and organized and well thought out style of play. This is not a team that has a whole lot of depth on the bench. They're starting 11. I felt Rabbi even before we did preseason predictions could be competitive in MLS. If you're just going off of starting 11, I thought this was a team that could be a playoff team. This is still a team top in the Western Conference, but they've significantly cooled off. I do not think they will have a, I do not think they will be a home seeded team in the first round of the playoffs in which they play. That being said, they're extremely good at City Park. They have found ways to be effective. Uh, Luis Joachini, Jared Stroud to create offense and be effective without their two star attackers. And let's be real, Rabbi. Oh, our two big star strikers are out and everything. And oh, we're going to have to rotate the squad. And oh, this is a really good time for one of our other fringe players to step up and help us get a big three points at home. What team would we want to play in order to help us break that duck and give us the break we absolutely need? The Colorado Rapids. Mark, the Rapids are losing this game. Um... I don't know. Uh, I will say this. Let me just say this other thing, which is really worth worthwhile kind of pointing out. This is St. Louis's first year in the league. As an expansion team, literally every player on their roster wasn't on the roster last year, which means as a thought experiment, you could hypothetically have taken the entire Colorado Rapids roster from last year, fired every single one of those players, and gone out and built a roster from scratch with the guys that St. Louis currently has, because by definition, they were all available as of November, December last year. A couple guys they had signed a year earlier, Roman Berkey, they, they signed a whole year early. But anyways, point being, thought experiment, St. Louis is by definition um, a team that could the Rapids could have been because all of these guys were basically available when St. Louis went out and got them. But we didn't get any of those guys. We have the guys that we have, and we're at the bottom of the league instead. Um, yeah, we're probably losing this game. The only reason I hesitate to say that is they're actually in a bit of a skid right now. 
Um, over their last five games, they are one, one, and three with losses away to Dallas, away to Nashville, and at home to Salt Lake City. Um, they had a one-one draw with LA Galaxy at home, um, and their latest win is an on-the-road match against San Jose. But they've been really vulnerable the last couple matches. Part of that has been due to the injuries that you mentioned, Matt, but also um, maybe they're regressing to the mean. They were playing a little bit out of their heads good at the beginning of the season when everybody picked them for dead last and they seemed to kind of, you know, put it together. So um, that being said, I just gave all the reasons why the Rapids could work a draw or maybe even win this game. I don't think they're gonna. I I think they're gonna lose. Um, I'll bet my new boiler on on the uh, on the Rapids losing this one again. I'll say they they get schwacked three to one, uh, or even three to nothing because I'm not really sure if you don't have Diego Rubio, which it doesn't sound like they're gonna. Um, I don't know where scoring comes from from this team. Um, you know, uh, is Darren Yappi back, Matt? Do we have Yappi is Yappi is back from international. He's back. Team, he's yeah. healthy. Maybe. We finally get a Yappy goal, but I don't know. I mean, he, you know, it's it's he's gone the whole season. We don't have a goal from him yet, so he's had a couple called called back from for for offsides, but he I don't think he he doesn't have a goal yet. I like three one as a scoreline as well, Mark. I think that goal for the Rapids will be in garbage time, or it will be too little, too late. So it'll be like you know, it'll be like St. Louis is up two 0 with say twenty minutes to go, and the Rapids claw back and then go for it, and then St. Louis you know gets their garbage time you know clincher to make it. 3-1, but... Um, Maxo I, I, header, uh, Keegan Roseberry screamer. What's it going to be, Matt? Uh, I mean, we haven't seen... I mean, we're due for that. Keegan's, like, biannual Golasso. That's right. You know, we we, we are due for that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I've picked Darren Yappi a few times to score, and then he hasn't. Let's say, let's, let's say I don't know, garbage, like ball bounces on the doorstep, uh, on the board, on the doorstop, uh, you know, clearance in the box let's say let's say goal bassett i'll say goal bassett in the 78th minute to make two make it two one uh and the rapids you know uh throw caution to the win and then just get absolutely whacked in transition Gio Kini gets a goal jared stroud gets a goal uh and you know give me tim parker on a corner as well how about that that's nice matt where's where's nick markanic be, been lately we haven't seen him uh getting any time or in the anthony markanic uh he started at the, what i say uh, nick i said his brother Oh, his brother? Psst, no, I, no, no, no. I, I mean Anthony, but I said Nick. Uh, I mean, wh- wh- what are you, a professional broadcaster for Apple TV Season Plus, Rabbi? Sounds good. Uh, we have a sec- we have a security guard at um at our synagogue, and his name is Keith, and he has a brother, and his brother he has a twin brother, and his twin brother's name is Kevin, and I've never met Kevin, but I occasionally have accidentally called our security guard Kevin, even though his name is Keith. Which is really, really embarrassing. Anyways, Anthony Markanic, where has he been? I, I have no idea. Um, I could not tell you. I don't know. Is he on a USL team? Is he still with Cincinnati? I'm going to assume no. Um, Anthony Markanic has been decent. He did start, uh, I believe, in the game on Sunday, on Saturday, because the Rapids were in a tough situation because Bombito was set to start at the back on the Wednesday game. 
And then by uh, by the Wednesday game being played, then you would have had Brian Galvan and Lal Sububakar serving their suspensions for the red cards against Orlando. When that game didn't get played, their suspensions got moved up to the game on Saturday. But then Bombito was already called up for Canada for the national team, so he was unavailable. So Mark Hanich in at the back. Um, I, I mean, I I think he's been fine. Did he? I I might have that wrong because he played in. No, he played he for played the two. He played. You got it. But he also played for the twos as well on on Sunday. Yeah, he only played four minutes. He came on for Stephen Betashore. So that's probably that's why he came on for the twos. Okay. Who who started at the back with Andres then? Why can't I remember? It was Danny and then Oh, it was a back four, duh, that's why. Betashore. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. Um Markanich has been fine. Um, you know, he's done a lot of really good work. I think he clearly he doesn't do anything he doesn't wow me at any of those positions, which kind of defines, I think, maybe where his potential's at, but he's a glue guy, he'll fill in, he can play at the left back, he can play at the center back role. And Mark, given how much we've criticized various players in defense for the Rapids this season who have made critical mistakes that have led to goals. I can't remember the last time Markanich, you know, had the deserve the largest helping of blame pie on a particular goal. And in that re- in that regard, despite being still a young player and in only his second year in MLS and being the lowest paid player on the Rapids, I can see where uh, both the first team and the second team coaches trust him. Yeah, I, I'll just say one last thing uh, before we wrap this thing up. I don't think... I think we knew that replacing Sam Vines was going to be hard, just like we knew that replacing Mark Birch was going to be hard. I don't think you really know how hard it is until you realize how critical the left-back position is, that like the Rapids have three guys playing left-back this season, and none of them, and Moise Bombito is the fourth, actually. So you've got Betashore, Bombito, Gersbach started the season, and then Markanek, and none of them has made a convincing um case for why they deserve the role although bombito has probably been the most convincing which is kind of shocking considering i always considered him a center back but anyways kind of stunning and and speaking of all that where is sebastian anderson in this whole mix although sebi's probably better as a right back he did play i think two matches or one match for the rapids at left back like three seasons ago so we have a lot of options at left back and apparently none of them is good enough Listeners, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard and at Rapids 96 podcast. Check out all of our content, Rapids related, soccer related, or otherwise at Pittsburgh Soccer Now, BurgundyWave.com, Last Word on Sports.com, Backstop Soccer, and our Substack, Holding the Highline.substack.com. View our contact in web format, subscribe to us via email as well. That's also where you can pay to be a paid Highliner. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year, which will, of course, get you the aforementioned cheers to the six pint glass that Rabbi is massively sending out through our new Amazon warehouse empire that he has in his boiler broken basement. Um, and uh, send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL on Twitter or like Matthew Cleveland did a couple weeks ago, send us an email at rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Listeners, we'll see you next week, maybe over the weekend, given Rabbi, we've got... Obviously, uh, I'm taking some long vacation to do some hiking as well, but we're going to have to pod early given it's Tuesday next week for the 4th of July against Portland Timbers. I've got good news for you, Matt. We get to do another episode of Hotel Wall Art because we're going to be in Los Angeles next week and we're staying at a hotel. So uh, Hotel Wall and Ceiling Art uh, brought to you by Holding the High Line. That's all I got for us. Peace. Peace.